Well, well, well. Guess what time it is, Penn State fans? It's Blue White Breakdown time. I'm Bob Flounders with Johnny McGonigal. But it was it was James Franklin Tuesday presser time for the first time in 2023. Um, as Penn State gets ready for Saturday night's game with underdog West Virginia at Beaver Stadium on NBC. I think the first ever, maybe the first ever game on NBC. Franklin said that at the press conference. Either way, it's it's big. It's a big deal. Um, Penn State should be really good this year. If they're not really good, either they got really really hurt or something went horribly wrong. But Johnny, we got some news to get to. Unfortunately, there is no official news regarding the quarterback. But hey, Johnny, as you knew, I know you already have a story up on Penn Live at three thirty here on Tuesday. He all but said who the starting quarterback is going to be. I don't know why he doesn't want to just throw it out there, but. Uh, it, it's going to be Drew Aller, and he he detailed, James detailed, just how good of a camp he had. Yeah, Bob, you mentioned I have a story up about basically why James Franklin hasn't named a starting quarterback <laughs> yet. I've had a story of Drew Aller officially named starting quarterback. I've had that story in the chamber now for you know, yeah, months. Weeks. Yeah, months. Uh, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to use it at this point because, you know, yeah. you know if he's not going to say anything at his Tuesday press conference – he probably won't say anything after practice on Wednesday. <laughs> and we're just going to find out who the starter is when Drew Aller takes the field, uh, when the offense takes the field for the first time on Saturday night against uh, West Virginia. But look, he's, he was asked about it a few times today during his press conference. He said initially, I'm not saying anything. I'm not making an announcement today. And he was basically asked why later in the presser. And he said, look, we have a pretty good idea of who we're starting pretty much everywhere, most of the depth chart. <laughs> And the roster is set, but I think more times than not, we try not to put that information out there because I don't necessarily see the value in that. And he added that the most important thing is that the guys in the locker room for leadership and chemistry uh, yeah. and they've got it. So look, I mean, then, then right after Franklin's done talking, you know, I hop on a zoom call with uh, Kalen King and he's talking <laughs> about how good Drew Aller's going to be and how well he protected the ball in camp, James Franklin, went on a long answer about how good of a camp Drew Aller had. Yeah. Every sign in the world has pointed to Drew Aller being the starter from the moment he took over that backup job, yeah. uh, backing up Sean Clifford. This time last year, we got that announcement uh, that he had beaten out Christian Bayou for that job. Uh, yeah, it's going to be Drew Aller. And, and it's one of those, it's like the biggest question in the room, but at the same time, everyone knows the answer to it. Uh, it's just a matter of how they want to you know, announce it. And it looks like, they're just going to announce it by having Drew trot out there on the field on Saturday night at Beaver Stadium. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm buying. I mean, I know that. So West Virginia is a three touchdown underdog as we as we record this, and that that feels about right, just given how they finished up last year, what Penn State has coming back. The coach is on the hot seat, Neil Brown. Neil Brown has two quarterback candidates to choose from. He's not tipping his hand, and I'm sure that didn't. That didn't probably please James either, but I mean, I, I don't, I can't, I refuse to believe that that had any, any, any bearing on why James wouldn't officially announce Drew. But yeah, it's going to be Drew's show if he's healthy, and I'm sure they're not going to ask him to do too much between now and Saturday night. But you know, it, it's uh, James had a couple of interesting things to say. Um, I'll be writing about a couple of them very shortly, but. A couple things I wanted to get to with you right off the top before we get into our uh, our, our uh, season previews and our thoughts on how it could play out. 
I didn't think it was insignificant. Uh, it was brought up by Mark Woganrich of uh, SportsIllustrated.com that Mike Yersich, the offensive coordinator, for the first time at Penn State's going to be in the booth. Um, and, and, you know, and it makes a lot of sense for him to be in the booth. But I think almost as big uh, of a deal is just what really James thinks about a former player he coached, Daniel Bryan, who is now, uh, I think he's a grad assistant. Da- Daniel Bryan was a Maryland quarterback when James was there. And he's a grad assistant. He was an analyst. He's now, he's going to be on the field as kind of the, probably the conduit. But um, I don't think that's insignificant. Mike Yursich feels good enough to go up into the booth because he could see the game better, call the game better. But also, I really think Penn State's pleased uh, with Daniel Bryan, um, not only for the present, but I think for the future as well. Yeah, and it's a matter of wherever Mike Yursich is most comfortable sure. calling plays. That's where James. That's what James Franklin said. He said, hey, what are you most comfortable doing? Where can you see the game the best and call the game the best? Mm-hmm. And you know, that's from the booth and that makes sense, right? If you're, if you're a play caller, it's easier to get a, a read of how a game is going by looking at it from, you know, the view up above us or, yeah. you know, in, in the booth uh, in the, in the press box area, as opposed to being down on the field. And you want to have that, that voice in Drowler's ear. Uh, you want to be able to talk to him in between plays in between series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so we're going to see Drowler on the phone uh, this year uh, talking to Mike Yersich from up top in the booth. Ty Howell, who was a co-offensive coordinator is also yeah. up in the booth. Um, in terms of offensive, uh, you know, skill, the skill position coaches that are on the field, Marcus Hagan's wide receivers coach, Jay Sider with the running backs, and Phil Troutline with the offensive line, which makes sense that you you always see the offensive line kind of huddle around Phil uh, after series and get a pep talk from him. But uh, not necessarily a surprise, but it was an interesting note uh, going into the season. I'm curious if at any point that might change if they don't feel like something's clicking or working or. If, you know, if the, if the communication is a little bit off, but it's just something to keep in mind yeah. uh, as they go into a season where we know what this defense is going to be. At least we think we know what this defense is going to be. We know generally what the offense is going to be. A lot of Nick Singleton, Katron Allen using yeah. that offensive line, especially early in the season. But, you know, with a wide receiver room that has some questions, uh, maybe Theo Johnson and the tight ends get leaned on a little bit more, but a lot of it is going to come down to Drew Aller, a quarterback. And so much of that is communication with the offensive coordinator, especially early. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll just see how it plays out. And, you know, I don't know when we'll be able to talk to Mike Yersich next. We talked to him at media day early in August. I know that, you know, Penn state has uh, coaches, you know, assistant coaches available throughout the season. Uh, but maybe it might not be till mid season that we could get to talk to Yersich and kind of see how that's going. Yeah. And Johnny, just to, just to put a bow on this. So Penn State's as good as you and I think they're going to be in the offense, which is very talented. I, just about every, even though, even the wideouts, they, they have, they definitely have the talent at wideout. I mean, they have, it's, it's really hard to, to, to really, to assess maybe a position that's a weakness on this Penn State offense. It's really just about the inexperienced guys getting comfortable. And once they do, um, they, they certainly have enough experience at some key spots. They're going to be good. So if this is a successful year, I mean, it's not really uh, that hard to project maybe Mike Yersitz getting some opportunities uh, maybe to lead his own program. I mean, if, if they're if they're really that good. And the reason I bring it up is I just think that um, James is very, very high on Daniel Bryan. And I think he said something about him at Big Ten Media Days as well. I mean, there, there's going to come a time when Penn State needs a new O.C., and I'm just curious if maybe this guy 
if things go well this year, the communication is good. Yursich likes working with him. The results are, are favorable. I just wonder if he's a guy, maybe a name to remember uh, as, as Penn State kind of moves forward uh, in the future with their offense. Yeah, and on the flip side too, Manny Diaz is yep. someone that we know is going to get head coaching interest that this very well might be, you know, it's the second season yep. as the play caller on the defensive side of the ball. It might be his last uh, with Penn State, especially if, you know, they even if they're able to improve on what they did last year, Bob, I mean, they, they ranked, what, fifth in the country uh, overall, I think, in terms of defense, you know, up there, led the Big Ten in sacks, tackles for loss, a lot of disruption in the secondary, and you figure that they'll be able to do yeah. something similar with Kalen King, a corner, and Abdul, uh, and up front with Chop, Adisa, Denai. Uh, you figure this defense is going to cause a lot of offensive coordinators headaches, and uh, so – there is a world in which at the end of this season, yeah. both of Penn State's coordinators, offensive and defensive, uh, are gone. Um, but, you know, you can't get you can't get too far ahead. Like they yep. have both these guys now. Uh, and and I know that they loved having Manny especially to uh, come back uh, for another season as a defensive coordinator because he got some sniffs from you know, head yep. coaching jobs elsewhere in the offseason. So, um yeah, the, the coaching staff is in a really good spot. Jay Wan Sider is another one that we've talked about before. Yeah. And me and Dustin have talked about on a previous podcast about someone who could get another opportunity elsewhere after this season. So strong coaching staff, you know, strong roster and uh, you know, plenty of reasons to be optimistic for this team going into the fall. You know it, Johnny. Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, Penn State right now and James Franklin's Tuesday news conference, kind of the highlights. We're going to get into our thoughts on the season. Uh, you mentioned a lot of different uh, – the coaching staff and the players. Uh, I feel like uh, James kind of let off his press conference because he was asked about it last week at practice, just about uh, who are the freshmen that are being being targeted to, to not redshirt this year. They're called greens, as in green light, yellow light, red light. Green light means they're, they're expected to play past, you know, past the, you know, past the, I guess, the five-game threshold with the bowl game, four regular season games and the bowl game. Yellows are cautions, so they're they don't want to burn their red shirt unless they have to. And then reds, pretty much looking at a at a red shirt, you're dead in the eye. Red is in you know stop. So there were four names on the list. I I was pretty sure I had at least two of them right. I knew I knew two names that were going to be on that list. I didn't know the list would be that small. Um, why don't you get into the the names on the list and whether you thought maybe there'd be more on the list or that th those names and that number sounded uh, just about right. Yeah. The, the number was about right for me. Um, one name in particular that kind of jumped off uh, was Zion Tracy, uh, the corner. He is an older player though, you know, playing a prep year yeah. uh, up in Connecticut, uh, you know, and, and was at a time, you know, I believe he was committed to temple uh, and then their head coach left. And so he decided to reopen his commitment did a prep year. So he's an older player uh, and someone who can contribute on special teams. The other three green lights, uh, linebacker, Tony Rojas, cornerback, Elliot Washington, uh -huh. and safety slash DB. And I say DB because he might contribute at nickel uh, mm -hmm. is King Mack. And uh, I don't think it's a surprise to see that all four of those players are on the defensive side of the ball, three of which are in the, um, in the secondary because – I mentioned Kalen King and Johnny Dixon has had a really good off season. Yeah. Cam Miller has had a good off season, but you know, with Storm Duck out the door and uh, you know Marquise Wilson leaving and Joey Porter obviously going to the NFL, mm -hmm. there's opportunity there at corner, um, even if it's not right away in week one. But yeah. 
there's opportunity to get those guys some early reps. Uh, and so that's why I feel like the, those four, and then Tony Rojas has just had an unbelievable off yeah. season. And, uh, you know, you know that Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs are the guys at outside linebacker. Uh, but beyond them, in terms of looking at the two deep, you've got Dom DeLuca there. Uh, but I think Tony Rojas is going to get some serious run this year. And so mm-hmm. those four names, you know, aren't, aren't shockers. Uh, some other names that we had talked about, you know, Cam Wallace, maybe at running back and Javen Williams at tackle. Uh, I, I think those guys could, I, I would put them probably in the yellow light category right now. And James didn't divulge which players in the yellow light because that would be kind of awkward, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if by game four, five, six, that they have maybe had a couple or a few games under their belt and are in that conversation uh, as well. But yeah, I asked James, I said, why are those four of the green lights right yeah. now? Because you haven't even played a game at this point. And he just said that, you know, they feel really comfortable with those four definitely contributing on special teams and then on defense as well, getting in there. Um, I think they're pretty set at on the offensive side of the ball for the most part. Um, You know, no one's going to break in and steal reps from Nick Singleton or Catron Allen in the backfield, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, so we'll see. Andrew Rappel, yeah, might be there as as a tight end, but Mm -hmm. I think they're really confident in Theo, Tyler Warren, and Khalil Dinkins securing that number three job that you don't necessarily need to burn Rappel, yes, redshirt if you don't have to. Yeah, I think three of the four were January enrollees. I know Washington was, obviously Rojas was, and I think, I believe uh, uh, Tracy was as well. I think King Mack, though, um, for him for him to kind of, I, I think they knew he was going to be a pretty good, ta- uh, like a really good player, but he must have, he must have been right from, right from jump uh, in August. He must have, he must have really impressed them. They have some other defensive backs uh, as well, but those four, uh, just and Penn State fans, just remember, I think last year at this time, Drew Shelton was probably going to be a, was a yellow, and Hand got forced uh, when they had some. Uh, both their starting tackles were dealing with injuries. One cost, uh, you know, one cost Olu, you know, the last five games of the season, he just couldn't play, and then Caden Wallace got bumped up. Bryce Efner ended up, I think, being the right tackle. Shelton ended up being the left tackle, but I think they were going to, they really wanted to redshirt him. Uh, I think they're probably glad they didn't now that that, that he had that experience. But it, it sure seems like you know a guy like Javen Williams. Um, when you when you Penn State feels pretty good probably about their top three tackles, and it sure it sounds like Shelton's going to be the swing tackle with Caden starting the year at right tackle. But you know if anything happens to those guys, um, you know I, I think you could see if Javen Williams continues to to, to impress um, on the practice field throughout the first couple months of the season. He would be a guy that could be like a Shelton was last year, but right now, why why play him? Why why use him unless you absolutely have to? There's probably a couple other names too, Johnny, but uh, it's a good freshman group. But I also think it's a low number for a reason, right? It, it's hard. It's just hard to carve out a niche if you're not going to be a core special teams player. Um, it's probably going to be hard to be targeted as as a green unless you're somebody like Rojas who came in in January, gained about 30 pounds, and was lights out. Uh, in spring practice in the blue-white game. And he's probably a top six linebacker, top four outside. So it's going to get harder and harder, I think, for the freshmen to kind of uh, play right away at Penn State unless James continues to uh, collect five stars. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it in there, Bob, the the, the amount of young talent that got run last year. They yes. had 10 guys burn their red shirt last year. So they're not – I really don't – something would have to happen, you know, yeah. drastically in terms of injuries and stuff. For them to touch that number, come close to that number oh, right, yeah. uh, this year. 
one player that you also mentioned in there was King Mac, the, the one of the you know the, the only of the four green lights that was not a mid year enrollee, yeah. and he did come in and impress right away. He added a, a really a good amount of weight uh, from when he came in in the early summer to to when he started in preseason camp. Uh, his speed, his instincts, his explosiveness uh, has really been on display. Terry Smith, the cornerbacks coach, has talked about that. Uh, I believe it was a couple weeks ago and was saying that, you know, King Mack is going to play uh, for Penn State early pretty quickly in his career. And uh, an experienced, uh, older, veteran coach like Terry Smith doesn't doesn't throw out those compliments and those statements lightly. And so you look at Daquan Hardy, he's a veteran, you know, holding down the nickelback position uh, for Penn State. But you know, beyond that, I mean, you're looking at Elliott Washington or King Mack coming down from safety uh, in a crowded room that you've got Zaki Wheatley, Jalen Reed, you know, uh, Keaton Ellis and KJ Wentz competing for that, those two starting jobs at safety. Uh, King Mack has an opportunity to come down from safety and get some early playing time at Nickelback. So keep an eye on that. Yep. Uh, it might not be on Saturday unless they have a really big lead against West Virginia late. Uh, like, like, like we talked about, Bob, they're 20 point favorites for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely in the Delaware game. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Keep an eye on Elliot Mack. Oh, right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Keep an eye on, on King Mack, Elliot Washington. Those guys maybe getting some run at nickel. Yep. Um, and, I, and they're all really top recruits. I'm always curious, whatever they, uh, Johnny, I'm always curious when there's a guy that's got pretty good size who they really like uh, as a freshman, whether they play him or they redshirt him, but he's got the size to play safety. He's got the, He's got the foot speed and the instincts to play corner. Zaki Wheatley began his career at corner. He, they redshirted him. They moved him to safety. They love that. Elliot Washington is a pretty good-sized kid, um, versatile kid. He could probably play just about every possession, every position uh, on the back end. You just wonder if he can, if continues to fill out, continues to grow, is he going to stay at corner? Uh, Joey Porter was a pretty big corner, or will they actually give him a little bit of a look? At safety too, but I'm excited to see these guys. You know, not just on, not just on coverage, uh, but I, I'm really excited to see these guys in some of these games, whether it's Delaware or UMass, maybe late against West Virginia, because, um, like you said, um, Penn State always targets their best first year players at, in the secondary to play right away. It's a good idea because you're not going to have them very long. If you like them, the NFL's probably going to like them after three years. So. Um, it's four greens right now, and check back at midseason whether some of these yellows get upgraded. Johnny, we, uh, we're sailing along here on the blue-white breakdown. Let's get to some really important stuff, though. Um, what, what do we really think? About, about Not so much about this game, but about the season. I mean, it doesn't take – I don't think it takes a – you know, you don't have to be Jimmy the Greek to figure out that Penn State, barring a stunning turn of events, is going to beat West Virginia on Saturday night at home – with the whiteout and this defense and all those skill people, but how good do you think this team can be? I think they're going to be really good, Bob. I mean, we've, we've held off on, you know, making our predictions on this podcast, but I, I think I tipped my hand a bit when I put out my, uh, my preseason AP ballot yeah. and had them number five in the country, uh, a little higher than the poll actually had them at seven, both polls that is the AP uh, and the coaches poll had them at number seven. I mean, look, I think this is James Franklin's most talented team. Mm-hmm. I think from top to bottom, you know, even the, the depth on both sides of the ball is what you want. 
a lot of it comes down to Drew Aller and, you know, assuming he's a starter. Uh, no, I think a lot of it is Drew Aller and, and what he is as a, as really a, you know, first year starting quarterback. But you got to love what what is around him from a running game perspective with Nick and Katron. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got arguably the best offensive lineman in the country in Olu Fashanu anchoring that line. Yeah. It's not just him either. You know, Hunter Norzad is experienced and he's going to be your center. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got uh, you know, guards that you're confident in with Sal Wormley, mm-hmm. you know, Landon Tengwall, who we'll see if he starts the opening game. You know, he's he's missed some practice, and if yeah. he's not, if he's not ready to go, uh, which it seems like he probably won't be, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be JB Nelson filling in, who they're confident in, and then at right tackle, we've talked about you know Caden Wallace, Drew Shelton. Uh, looks like it'll be Wallace, but uh, you know a lot of confidence up front, a lot of confidence in the run game. You know, we talked about the question mark receiver, but. Uh, when you've got a defense as talented as it is, and you've got as many just sheer difference makers, like Nick Singleton can win you a game. Uh, you know, Olu Fashana with his blocking can win you a game. Abdul Carter, Kalen King, Chop Robinson, Disa Isaac, like the list goes on and on, Bob. Of these trying guys to that can go out and do it too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just guys that can go out you go out there and, and make a play. And it's telling that they had six players – on you know, Bruce Feldman's freaks list. It's telling that they have so many guys in the preseason top 50, top 100 players yeah. in the country, all those lists that come out, all the watch lists and everything. Like this is James Franklin's most talented team and in, in going into his 10th season. And you know, does that mean they're going to beat you know Michigan and Ohio state? I think they split that. I think they split those two games. Yeah. Uh, I think going at Ohio state, even with a first year quarterback is going to be difficult, but you get Michigan at home and, uh, I, I think Penn State ends up winning that game, going 11-1. and And I think they have a real chance at, at that point of backing you know, their way into the playoff as a, as a fourth team, even if they don't make it uh, to the Big Ten title game. So that's that's where I'm at. I, I, ex- like, I expect this team to live up to the expectations that it has. Um, and, and they're high. Like, they're sky high, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, I see. I saw them as 11-1 and as well. I, I'm really not sure which game – uh, Mike caught catch them or, or tripped them up. I think I settled on them actually losing at Ohio State and beating Michigan. It could easily be reversed. They could easily, I shouldn't say easily, they could win both games. There are a couple uh, dangerous games. There's a, there's a couple of, uh, you know, the Illinois game in week three, I think will definitely, you're going to learn a lot more about this team because that will not, that's not, it's not a uh, an intimidating environment, but that's a well-coached team, doesn't make mistakes. They're very physical good test, very good test for the uh, offense in particular. Um, And then, you know, I know they've always kind of had their way with Maryland uh, down there, especially, but you look at where that game falls on the schedule. I think it's right in between Ohio state and Michigan. That, that is the the definition of a trap game. Maryland did beat them in 2020, the COVID year, but it was kind of a fluke of a game. But I mean, there are some, there are some games on the schedule, even Iowa um, as much as I think Penn state's going to, be raring to go against them. That's not going to be a game that I think they're going to be able to uh, just comfortably win. I think it could be a very a close game, but I just think that the, the difference this year is their is is their is their a listers are really really good, but that second team, their their depth is is just if they haven't really ever had depth like this. There's a lot of guys that are backups at Penn State that would start in the Big Ten at some very good teams. I think they would start as well. Honestly. I'd feel even better about the pick if I could just see a little bit more from their specialists. I know it sounds stupid, but eventually they're going to be in some close games. 
Um, I know they, I, I, it sounds to me, Johnny, that uh, Sanders Sahadak is probably going to get the first crack at place kicker. And is it Riley Thompson, the kid from Florida, a little bit more experience. He had a good year. I, I would imagine at the very least, they're going to take a look at him as well. So, you know, their special teams were pretty good last year. I really thought Barney Amore was good. Uh, Jake Pinniger did not miss many kicks. He made some uh, long kicks, but they were in a lot of blowouts too. They didn't really, the games that they lost, I don't really know that it came down to uh, the specialist, but that usually is the case in one or two games. So that's really, to me, the one, I, I, I think that Drew, with, with, with the talent around him, I think that he's going to grow into his role. There'll be some, There'll be some sketchy throws maybe early, but he's going to, by the time they play their, their their toughest games, he should be a little bit more seasoned. He showed it last year. It's 11 and one for me as well. I do think that they can, they can, they can get to the playoff for sure. I also think it does help that they have Michigan at home and there's some uncertainty at Ohio state. And this is the first year in a long time, Johnny, that Ohio State didn't have a future first-round pick at quarterback. And if you think that doesn't matter, you look at some of the games that Penn State has lost to Ohio State, whether it was Haskins, you know, whether it was Justin Fields in 2019, whether it was C.J. Stroud last year and even on the road in 2021. It's just, you know, when, when, you, have a, when you have an athlete like that at quarterback, you know, it, it's really the difference, I think, in the game. And they don't have that, so... I don't see any reason why they shouldn't win at least 11 games in the regular season. Um, unfortunately for Penn State fans, Dave Jones also picked him to go 11 and one and win the Big Ten East. So he's we're, they're going to have to navigate that minefield. But and it's not just us. I think uh, we're, you know we're not we're not late to the party. We we kind of felt that way, Johnny. But if you just look nationally, there are a lot of really respected people in this sport that think Penn State can do some damage not only in the Big Ten East, but you know on the national scene. Bob, I didn't realize they got the, the Dave Jones kiss of death. I, I, I remember Dave coming into the press box. Uh, I believe it was, it was during the Phillies world series mm-hmm. and he wore a Phillies jacket and all mm-hmm. the Phillies fans, you know, yeah. Penn state were like, Dave, what like, what are you doing? You're, you're doing yeah. And, uh, and sure enough, I mean, that's definitely why the Phillies lost to the Astros in the world. Series. I think they got no hit like the next game, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Hey, that's just the tip of the iceberg with Dave, but he does, he, he's, he has his reasons and uh, he's not alone. I think we feel pretty strongly about it. And I just, I just, from a talent perspective, you can make a really strong argument for Penn state to be, to be not only, not only to win every game on their schedule, but you know, I, I don't, I don't see them getting blown out by Michigan. And that usually happens in Ann Arbor. This is a pretty good team and they do have, they have about a dozen players, Johnny, in one way, one way or another, that can change a game with one on, on one play. Whether it's on defense, whether it's in the secondary, whether it's the pass rush, whether it's a guy like Abdul Carter, uh, you know, on a blitz, um, and the running backs, the tight ends, the quarterback with the with the strong arm, and I, I think they just have. I think I think Mike Yurcich has gotten better and better as the offensive coordinator, and I don't know that there's too many uh, defensive coordinators in the sport that are better than Manny Diaz. No, and look, I think I think that there is a better chance that Penn State goes twelve and zero than ten and two, because uh, I'm I'm that confident that they beat one of Michigan or Ohio State. Yeah. And we talked. You mentioned the Illinois game and the Maryland game and Iowa, obviously. And I, I just think there's too much talent on this roster. Even if you have like coaching mishaps or you know a game management 
you know, gaff by James Franklin or something like that, even a special teams mistake. Mm-hmm. I think there's just too much talent on this team to be to be overcome, to succumb to a, a loss like that. Now, we've seen talented Penn State teams lose games that they shouldn't uh, in you know, during Franklin's tenure. So it certainly has happened. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen this year. I, I really don't. And, um, you know, that Illinois game being Drew's first, you know, road start and an 11 a.m. kick, like there's mm-hmm. there's little factors in there. But I just think this team is too good to get tripped up uh, uh, by one of those games. Now, if it happens, you know, go ahead and clip this and throw it in my face. Uh, but <laughs> I, I just I just don't see that happening, Bob. And so and then you look across the country, too, and you're talking about the playoff, right? Like. The, the Big 12 seems like a conference, you know, poised to cannibalize itself. The Pac-12 uh, as well. There's like a cluster of good teams in there in USC, Washington, Utah, mm-hmm. and Oregon that it feels like all those teams could easily go 10-2 and two and miss out on the playoff. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's two Big 10 teams and two SEC teams in the last 14 playoff, which yeah. would be kind of fitting given the whole offseason narrative with both of those conferences, you know, with expansion and all that kind of stuff. But um, I can just see that happening. Uh, I, I, you know, and what Penn State does from there, who knows? Like, obviously, they want to win the national title, but I think getting there uh, is you have to get there first, and they've never gotten there before. Uh, and so, doing that would be just such a big weight lifted off the program's shoulders, and uh, and and not only from that sense, but just like a, I don't know, a sense of relief, but also a sense of celebration and something to 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 point to and say, hey, everything that we've worked towards. Uh, you know, has paid off in a sense. And so I think I think James Franklin, his staff, the players, I think they're going to get that validation this season. Um, you know, and, and we'll see how it happens, but I, I think it happens. Yeah, yeah. All right, it was a busy Tuesday uh, game week, West Virginia week. Uh, James Franklin's news conference would not name a starting quarterback, but it's it's going to be Drew, number 15, coming to uh, a, start, a first-team offense at Penn State near you very shortly. I do think real quick, my I would like to see if the game game flow dictates it um, the first two weeks of the season. I think it's important to get Bo Prabula in the game. I really do because he had a, a pure red shirt. He, he had re- literally no snaps last year. And, you know, odds are, you know, Drew is not the most mobile guy. He's going to take some shots this year. Um, would not surprise me if, 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 they need, if they need Bo at some point this season. I hope they can get him some meaningful game reps. We'll see about that. But, Johnny, uh, you had a story on Nick Singleton, uh, I believe, in today's – today's uh, on, on Penn Live today. Um, Penn State fans, check that out. He did a, a great story on Adisa Isaac um, and his family um, recently. You can check – you can find that on Penn Live as well. But, Johnny, we are – like I said, it, it is game week. We're a couple days away from Penn State, West Virginia, 7.30, NBC. Drew Aller's going to be in the house. Michael Robinson's going to be in the house. Todd Blackledge is going to be in the house. Tom Bradley's going to be in the house. So a lot of lot of former Penn State names, whether on the on the TV telecast or ceremonial coin toss to uh, excite the fans. I see that some NIL things are going to be going on where there are going to be some former Penn State players. Maybe Michael Parsons will be in state college as well. It's an exciting, if, if you're a Penn state fan, this should be, you should be more excited about this season than maybe any other season at the start of the James Franklin era. The 2016 scene kind of snuck up on us a little bit. It didn't look that great, you know, a month into the season, but this, you know, this team looks like they have the potential. So Johnny, I know we're excited to cover this team. And I think the Penn state fans should be really excited to watch this team. Absolutely. I can't wait, Bob. 